0: Let's begin this morning with a prayer, if you would bow with me. Lord God, open our ears to hear your word. Open our hearts to believe your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to transform us into the image of Jesus today. Amen. Mark chapter 1, we'll start out with the text this morning. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Yeah, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Now hold on to that. We're going to unpack that here in just a few minutes as we continue a series that we launched a couple of weeks ago on love which we're calling uh, more than words. And we've seen so far that love is, isn't, isn't a bunch of words. It's not something you say, although what you say is certainly part of loving somebody. Um, love is more than words. Um, love is more than a feeling. Uh, Boston told us that, I guess, but it is more than a feeling. It's not just something that... that a stirring of affections, love is a verb, love is a lifestyle, love is behavior, love is serving and ministering to those around you, and it gets confusing, I think, because of the culture we live in and the different messages we get. We saw last week one of the most challenging things and one that our culture does not do very well with, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 13, love is, remember, it's patient, Love is patient. That's one of the behaviors. That's one of the ways that love acts toward the other person. It is patient. It, Paul's favorite phrase is to bear with. Sometimes, no matter how much you like somebody, no matter how much you have in common... Sometimes you got to bear with them. Everybody has a bad day now and again. Some, day, some people were kind of waiting for that good day to come around. They always seem to be having a bad day. But love is patient. Love endures that. Love puts up with that. It gives people the space and the grace that they need to be appreciated and accepted for who they are. Now, the real challenge for us is... As we begin to take this deep dive into the meaning of love, the real challenge is that many of the messages that we hear about love, pop culture, Netflix, Facebook, TV, music, um, many of those messages simply don't jibe with the genuine love that we see or are called to live out in Scripture. Um, The way the word is used and perhaps even overused kind of makes it something, I guess you could say, kind of ambiguous for us. I mean, what do we mean when we talk about love? Um, because, I mean, it, it, is a, it is kind of ambiguous because I mean, a lot, of, a lot of us next weekend, hopefully all of us next weekend who have a living mother will give her a phone call or a visit or a, and say, Mom, from the bottom of my heart, we're going to tell her, I love you. That's clear enough. The problem is, for some of us like me, when we talk about Whataburger, we say, I love Whataburger. So it's a word that we use in so many different ways that it can become kind of less powerful, I guess. Less powerful. Um, beyond that, the overuse of the word drains meaning out of it, and then scripture comes along and gives us um, a version of love that's a little bit different or, or sometimes very different from the versions that we see out in culture. Now, in, the, in the, new te- the language of the New Testament, the Greek, there are four different words that that get translated into our one word, love. Um, love comes from four Greek words, storge, phileo, eros, and agape. And you've probably heard of agape before. Phileo, translated as love in the New Testament, is the BFF kind of love. It is the love you have for your friend you, sh- you you have an affinity your kindred spirits you you like you have the same kind of maybe points of view on some things. You like the same TV show. You like to do the same things. You both order the same thing at Starbucks. I don't know. But but you are kind of, yeah, you track with that person. And that's a, that's phileo. So next time, if you're a guy, it may be kind of awkward to look at your buddy and say, man, I love you. But you could say, man, I really phileo you. Okay. You could try that out. Um, might be a little more comfortable because that is the kind of love you have for a friend. Storge is the other word that gets translated as love. Once again, it is, it is the parent-child love, that kind of hardwired, natural love that a mother has when she looks into the face of, of, of her baby boy, baby girl. Um, storge love is, is that, that connection. Eros we have a pretty good handle on that don't we because that's used all over our culture eros love is of course from erotic or erotica it is the romantic the 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 sexual the physical attraction that one person has for another person by the way all of these are good all of these are good these are god created things but the purest form of love is that fourth kind which is agape the agape love, which is a, a self-sacrificing love. It is an unconditional, no strings attached, I love you as is kind of love. The definition is on the outline this morning: unconditional love. It is the decision to love someone as is, not based on who they are, on their lovability. But to love them no strings attached because of, forgive the gram, grammatical error here, but because of who I am, a child of God. It's who I am. So the other versions of love depend very much on the likability or the lovability of the object of love of, on that other person. Agape is different because it depends on the lover. It depends on the person who is doing the loving, all right? So it is my decision because of who I am. I am God's child. I, have, I am so richly loved. I am so deeply accepted and loved by God that that can spill over out of my life into the lives of other people who may or may not be lovable, who may or may not be all that likable, but I can love them because I've received agape and I'm called to offer that to the world. So... Unfortunately, I guess you could say we're left translating agape, eros, phileo, and storge with the same word, love. Um, and that makes things a little bit tricky, especially since we are much more familiar with the, the lesser versions of love. Because those are the ones that our life experiences have come in contact with the most. And they are not, underline are not, they are not unconditional They are highly conditional. They have, because of that kind of expiration dates on them, they don't tend to last all that long. So just a few examples here. You have a few versions of of these lesser loves. You have the if love. The if version of love. If you lose a few pounds, I love you. If you do graduate from law school, I love you. If uh, you do buy me expensive gifts or invite me to go on that ski trip you're planning next fall, I'll love you, if love, if love. Um, And one of the weaknesses, I think you can already see some of the weakness there. It's very conditional. Uh, But one of them is also some of these expectations are unspoken, okay? So someone may love you and stop loving you, and you may not even know why, okay? Okay? You, you weren't even aware of the conditions of the strings that they were attaching on that. That happens a lot of times. And so at that point, the conditions are not being met. Er, love comes to a scree- screeching halt, and you may not even know why. There is also the, and these are all closely related because they're all conditional. There is the as long as version of love. Like you see where that's going? As long as you have that high paying job. I'll love you forever, you know, as long as you stay healthy. I'll love you. I mean, you get a terminal illness or something. You get in a car accident and you're paralyzed or something. Well, obviously, the deal's off. I'm not going to continue to love you. Go find someone else. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? But that... We're familiar with that kind of love because we see that all of the time. Um, as long as you're this or that, I'll, I'll continue to love you. So you can begin to, to see that if love or as long as love, these are highly perishable items, a short shelf life on those. In fact, you're pretty much guaranteed that those versions of love will run out at some point. And then finally, there's because love. You know, you ask someone... Uh, Why do you love that guy? Why are you in love with that person? Well, he's kind of cute, or he's kind of sexy, or he's a good dancer, or I like the way she laughs, or I like her smile, or whatever, fill in the blank. Um, I love that person because of this. And we start listing those attributes or those reasons that we love them. So that's because love. Again, pretty watered-down versions of love, right? Fragile, volatile, um, short shelf life on those versions of love. And honestly, all of those versions tend to be pretty, <laughs> pretty self-centered, right? I mean, pretty much you need to meet my list here of, of what's acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable, what I enjoy being around, what I don't enjoy being. You need to pretty much live up to that or you're, you know, we'll, we'll move on. We'll just kind of grow distant from each other. Then we have Agape love in its purest form love which Paul tells us in verse 4 of 1st Corinthians 13 love which is kind agape is kind kindness means not buried under my wants and my expectations not self-centered but but kindness means considering the well-being the needs of the other person. Now we're ready to go back to Mark chapter 1, aren't we? Mark chapter 1, the opening chapter of this gospel from Mark, and he shares this story of this encounter that Jesus has with this fellow who is deeply wounded on the outside and on the inside. Okay, Um, It's a man who is suffering from the Most horrific disease of the ancient world, leprosy. It started with, for him, probably at some point, a little bit of dis discoloration, some spotting on his, his eyelids and then on, on the palms of his hands. Eventually, over time, that body becomes kind of a... a, a the, the skin becomes grayer and grayer, takes on a, a cadaverous sort of of color. Parts of the body would, would experience numbness, in fact, complete numbness. It was a painful disease and... Uh, that was horrible. And then there was the other side of the coin. Some of the parts of the body couldn't feel pain or pleasure. And so a leprous person you know, could step on a nail. Never know it, just keep on walking. And you can imagine the kind of damage that that would do to soft tissue into the body over time. Might hit their thumb with a hammer, wouldn't even know it, um, because the body would rob them of those kinds of of sensations. Now, the physical symptoms were really, for leprosy, the physical symptoms were just the beginning of the horrors of this disease in actuality, because the man in Mark 1, like any leper, would have lived as a social outcast. As a social outcast. Automatically, as a leper, you would be forced to live in exile. You would not see your wife. You would not see your kids. You would not barter uh, over bananas at the fruit market or or argue politics at the city gates. You would be forced to live outside of town. You would be cut off from everybody. You might live by yourself in a cave or in a lean-to or something you build outside of town. You might live in a, in a, in a shanty town or a leper colony or something with other suffering lepers. It, it, a family member, pretty much the only contact they could have with you at this point would be maybe you know, maybe a son or daughter or a spouse would bring out a you know, burlap sack of bread or something just kind of leave it outside the camp and, and quickly get out of there. But, but along with that social stigma, stigma, very closely related is the spiritual stigma. Because it was believed in the ancient world that if you were suffering from leprosy, you were suffering because you were being cursed by God. You had sinned. You had done something wrong, and God did not love you anymore. And he had struck you with this horrible illness. That was pretty much the going assumption of the day. Not one that Jesus had, by the way, but one that most people had about those suffering with with leprosy. So, you've got a man in Mark chapter 1 suffering Incredible physical pain, social pain, spiritual pain, being told that God doesn't love you, you know, essentially. And when he encountered Jesus and we find him in Mark chapter one, I just I just ask myself, how long had it been since this fellow had been hugged by his kids? How long since his wife had kissed him on the mouth? How long had it been since anyone had, had shook his hand or given him a pat on the back or a high five? Or, I mean, how long had it been since this fellow had been touched by anyone? Someone put their arm around his shoulders or, or, or stroked his cheek or, or caressed his hair. or whatever. I mean, how long, how many years, how many days had passed where he had not felt human touch? How long since he had gotten invited to a wedding? How long since he would gotten an invitation to watch the pay-per-view fight? Okay, they didn't have that back then. They had real fights probably. But how long since he had gotten invited to anything, really? Um, And how long since he had been regarded as a precious child of God? How, How long had it been since a child, instead of running away in horror at the sight of him, how long since a child had smiled at him? How long since he had had just a normal conversation in the marketplace? How how long? But that afternoon comes by. And there comes Jesus. He's heard about Jesus. Everybody in the region has heard about Jesus. He's been casting out demons. He's been healing all sorts of sicknesses. And so this man, as a step of faith, he believes that Jesus can heal him. And I imagine him hobbling over to Jesus throwing himself, as the text says, on the ground in front of Jesus with this very simple request. If, if you wish, Lord, you can heal me. You can make me whole again. And the text says that Jesus was moved with compassion. The word here is your final Greek word of the day which I only share that because that is coming from the same root as your guts he was moved in his guts I mean the deepest level of, 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 of just being touched being sensitive to the plight of another Jesus is moved in his guts with compassion for this fellow and he's going to heal the guy I mean we know that Jesus is there. There's a disease there. Jesus is going to heal the person, right? But before he does that, we, even before he speaks those words of healing, we see the kindness of Jesus in this story. And so write this down if you would. The first kind of mark of the kindness of Jesus is this. Kindness is, is compassionate. <clears throat> I mean, it, it feels that need of the other person. Love is compassionate. Kindness is, is, is compassionate. And so Jesus feels some pain over the plight of this poor fellow. He's moved by the situation of this man. And, and I think we can revisit this almost every week as we talk about love. Like every other aspect of agape love, compassion is not convenient, okay? It is not a convenient thing. I mean, to see someone who you don't know and to be stirred, to be distressed, to be uncomfortable at the pain that person is experiencing, that's not a convenient thing. To be moved, certainly this story is a great example of that. I mean, Jesus' life and ministry is already complicated enough, all right? I mean, Mark lets us know Jesus can hardly move from town to town. He can hardly enter in a village because of the multitude of people who are just kind of following him around, waiting to see what he'll do next. Jesus is concerned about that. He's like, I don't even know how we're going you know, to get in and out of Jerusalem or any place with the size of the multitude. He's concerned about it. And yes, his compassion makes it worse. <laughs> it really does. Healing this guy means even more people are following him around. But kindness is compassionate. Jesus also shows us that kindness involves a personal connection. Um, It takes time out to make a face-to-face, a one-on-one connection with another person. Now, I know it is is an easy thing to do. It's a popular thing to do. It is not a bad thing to do to get on Facebook and put, you know, pray for Baltimore, right? Or, Or Pray for Nepal. I mean, that, that, that is good. That's a good thing to do, but that's not exactly kindness. Um, it's a good thought, a good sentiment, and we're a long ways away, so it's hard to do anything really concrete or personal from here with the Nepalese, but kindness is personal. It is a personal thing. He meets this fellow one-on-one. They have a conversation one-on-one. Um, he listens He takes time out. Here's the need. Also, though, and we we better not skip over this in this story, kindness is courageous. Kindness is courageous. There are, Baltimore's a good example of this, of the unkindness of our age. Um, There are a lot of fences put up between people. There are a lot of attitudes, prejudices that separate us, and no matter, how, no matter how great we get at building new technology and gadgets and advancements in medical science, the condition of our soul is still pretty sick. Right? And we, we see that on TV every night now. And we've made great strides with science and technology, not so, so many great strides with morality. Um, because kindness demands courage. I'm sitting, um, I'm actually getting changed at the gym this week getting ready to go work out and stuff. And, and, you know, there are kind of these little locker room areas separated by these walls of lockers. I hear the guys on the other side of the locker, some older, well-to-do white guys. And they're talking about Baltimore. And I just got so sick in my stomach. That's what happens when you have a black mayor was one of the comments made. And guys, I'm not saying that to pick on one group of people or one person. I'm saying that because you know the world we live in is deprived of kindness, of the kind of courageous kindness that steps up and speaks out for and acts on behalf of those who are marginalized, those who are not part of the group, whatever group that is that you're in. Think about the Mark 1 scenario, the, the leprosy scenario. I mean, considered cursed by God. In fact, if, you're, if, you're a, if you were a leper in that time, you were legally required to shout, Unclean! When people came around you. You had to let them know that you were spiritually and physically unfit for human companionship so that they could be warned and they could give you a wide berth. And that's exactly what people did with lepers. They gave them a lot of space. People were afraid of them. People wanted to stay away from them. Jesus wasn't afraid. Jesus has a personal connection with this poor guy. And I just I just hope and pray and I see so many things happening here that give me hope at Preston Crest. Just pray that this will be a church. That's like Jesus, right? A courageous church. A church that doesn't recognize all those fences and walls and things that people put up and judgments people make about other folks. You know, it is a lot easier to label people than to love people. But our Lord who we serve, he calls us to love people. And So I pray that this will be that kind of church. Labels are so easy. Not a mayor, it's, it's a black mayor. It's not a person, it's a homeless a homeless person. She's an ex-con. He's an addict. She's divorced. I mean, whatever the label is that we easily use to create that separation between us and them. Whatever helps us not to see them as children of God. Precious people who God desperately loves. And so I just pray for our church, that we'll be a church that loves instead of labeling. Churches like to lay... By the way, I I think I just need, need to say this. Churches like to... Or we get the reputation for labeling, you know, gay folks, the gay community. We need to be a church that loves the gay community. That loves people that struggle with that identity question. Just like we love everyone who struggles with sin. Love folks who struggle with greed. Love folks who struggle with, you name it, lust. Want to be a, a place for sinners, for the sick, to feel compassion and kindness. So we're called to love, not label. You can't. By the way, this is just common sense, right? I mean, you cannot expect to have a conversation or or a dialogue with somebody, you cannot expect to, over time, lead someone into the arms of Jesus, lead them to faith in God, if you will not show them kindness. Right? You you can't do that. But that's one of the reasons Jesus is always getting in trouble. Uh, Jesus is hanging out with the tax collectors and the Gentiles and the Roman centurion and the sick people and, and the pros. I mean, he's hanging out with all these people that, that the, the establishment says you're not supposed to hang out with those people. But he didn't do the whole labels thing, did he? He saw people and he showed them kindness. And that's how he led so many, including us, into the arms of our loving Father. Jesus was courageous in reaching out to this man. Not everyone approved of that, right? Now, if you need people's approval, and this pretty much goes with anything in life. If you need people's approval, you're not really going to be a very courageous person. Take a public opinion poll, you know, every time you want to. No, courage is, is, is following Christ. It's following Christ first, before what other people think. He also shows us, by the way, this may be the one thing you need to take home today. It is so simple and so portable something you can carry out of here today is jesus shows us that kindness releases the power of human contact kindness is tactile if you will don't be stingy with hugs and handshakes Um, And by the way, this to me is the most moving line in the story. It may not be for you, but I love this line in the story. Mark chapter 1, verse 41. Mark says, Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched the man. I'm thinking he touched his face because this guy's kneeling there. That Jesus reaches out and cups this man's face in his hands how long had it been since anyone had touched him how long and jesus moved by compassion reaches out and touches him the healing doesn't happen there mark is very clear jesus is going to pronounce you're healed instantly to the left but this is before that or you could call this another part of the healing process the wholeness process makes it very clear to us that that Jesus was moved to touch this man despite the sickness. So for Jesus, showing kindness meant it meant a look, it meant a touch, it meant a word. A look and a touch and a word. It still means that. Nothing's changed there. Kindness still involves a look, a touch, and a word. We also find that kindness recognizes the power of community. It helps the outsider move into community. The one who feels excluded. The one who feels different in a bad sort of way. The one who feels that they don't belong. It moves them into fellowship with others and with the God who made them. So be a bridge builder who helps those outside become part of the group, part of the community. After healing the man, Jesus gives these, these instructions. You know, it's a, it's a little bit weird. He's like, hey, I want you to go to the temple and I want you to meet with the priest and I want you to take this money, the, the standard offering that's involved there, and, and the priest is going to examine you. And then the priest, will, what's all that about? It's all about helping this man. He's been physically healed at this point, instantly. The leprosy, he feels great. He's never felt it good in his whole life. But it is about moving him back home. Back home. He could not reenter the group. He could not re-enter the world of human contact until the priest declared him to be clean. And Jesus recognizes that's a very important, important thing for this fellow. And one of the great things, here it is on kind of both sides, one of the great things about this church is how close we are. We have different groups and different connection classes and different ministries. And one of the great things is how close we are. It's also one of the most challenging things about this church. Because the closer a group gets, you know, the closer they are together, the more tightly their arms are, are connected and their lives are connected, the harder it is to break into that group. Right? I mean, they love each other so much. They are so tight. And so for someone on the outside, it can look like... I, I have no clue how to get in there. I mean, that's awesome. I want that. Those people love each other, but how do I how do I I get in there? And so it's it's such a it's such a tough thing, isn't it? That it's the closeness is good. And that's something that comes from the Spirit of God, but closeness and closedness are so closely related. And so it's a challenge that we've got to be aware of where it might mean that, you know, when it's the last amen on a Sunday morning, it may mean that you don't just race out to payway with your group, but you look for someone that might want to join your group. Somebody new, some guest, or someone that feels a little excluded and say, hey, you know, get to know them a little bit and bring them in. Or maybe you, the first people you look to talk to aren't, aren't the pe- on Sunday morning or, some, or anywhere, really, for that matter, aren't the people that you know the best, but maybe someone you don't know, someone that looks a little bit lost. Um, Maybe that's what kindness, kindness, kindness looks like. Well, the funny thing is about kindness, and this really is kind of the funny part of the story. I'll explain that in a minute. Um, but kindness really is a contagious thing, a good kind of contagious. And the story shows us that, doesn't it? I mean, there are these throngs of people that come to Jesus because of this kindness because of this act of mercy that he shows more and more people are wanting to get close to jesus and what's funny about it is is that whole deal you know where jesus is like hey buddy shh don't tell anybody that i healed you and then mark says the guy turns around and tells everyone hey, guys, I'm healed. It was this guy right here. Jesus healed me. It's unbelievable. I can't believe it. Does exactly the opposite of what Jesus asked him to do. And we're not applauding this guy for his disobedience, okay? We're just saying, look, if you have been cut off from all human contact for years and years, uh, you haven't had any physical contact or conversation with people that you know and and love, and now you're healed, um, it's kind of hard to... Zip your lip on that. You want to tell everybody about what happened. And it just shows us how contagious this kindness is. More and more people come to Christ. More and more people hear this guy's story and are infected by this beautiful kindness that they see in Jesus Christ. So kindness, the last thing there, kindness is contagious. I am part of, we are part of, the church is part of this dynamic chain reaction of kindness that Jesus started so many years ago. Um, and so we're just part of that. There are other churches in our community that are part of this chain reaction um, that Jesus started. We have ministries going on. We have out of Preston Crest mission projects on the other side of the world going on that are all an extension of what Jesus started 2,000 years ago. We're feeding people you know, in, in Africa. We're going to Give medical attention to folks down in Guatemala this summer. A big group of us is going to go there. And these are all chain reactions caused by the love that we have experienced from Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you this. Um, They say big things happen in Dallas. Um, The most beautiful kindness isn't in the big things. It's in the small things. It's in how you treat that elderly woman at the supermarket who needs a little bit of help. It's in taking time to have a conversation with that mentally handicapped young person that you run into at the mall. It's it, it's in how you treat that coworker that's hard to get along with. It, it kindness is best seen not in the big things. It's best seen in the small, quiet moments. Let me close out by saying this, and I just think it's. An important point to make because we've seen this beautiful kind of remarkable story you know jesus touching this man and changing his life and i just want you to know jesus cares for you okay? this, this this story could be so remote i mean leprosy and two thousand years ago in somewhere in israel um, i mean just kind of remote for me in my reality it's really not in fact may i suggest You and I, we have been blessed with a greater act of kindness than even this man experienced in Mark chapter 1. Jesus went to the cross because of his love for us. Be very clear, because of his love for you, he went to the cross. And so you have been on the receiving end of the agape of God. You've been on the receiving end of the kindness of Jesus Christ. He gave his life to make you whole, to set you free, to bring you into a new community that's an extension of him, where this chain reaction of kindness is happening. So this morning, it may be your decision to cross that line of faith, to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, To be baptized into Jesus Christ. Begin this life with Him. Life as part of this new community defined by His love. Maybe this morning you just need prayers. Um, You feel kind of like that leper coming to Jesus. You just have a request. You have something, a burden on your heart. Lord, I believe that you can help me with this. And so we would encourage you just to circle up with your friends or your connection or your family or come down and pray with me or one of our elders and and just pray about that. Really like the leper to just bring that before Jesus and say, I don't know what to do about this. Lord, I'm going I'm to give this to you because I don't know what to do. However you need to respond, let's do that as we stand together and worship.